Hi everyone, this is Marsha, and I'm the director and founder of the Brooklyn Caribbean Literary Festival. I'm thrilled and elated to announce the birth and launch of our brand new podcast, CocoPod. Consider the aromatic CocoPod and how, after carefully ripening under the Caribbean sun, it generously offers up its rich fruit in due season. CocoPod by BCLF aims to provide a similar delight. Each episode is a seed, a nugget of an original Caribbean story told in the voice of its writer. Each story, an infinite gift by the offshoot of an ancient griot tradition. As a whole, Caribbean stories are like a mighty tree whose branches extend, offering shade and comfort wherever her children settle. From my team and the legion of Caribbean writers behind us, we bring to you the warmest of welcomes. Chapter 25, Lala, 5th January 1984 How do you learn to love a man? You first ask yourself this question when you are a new bride. These are the days when Aidan's robberies buy you clothing to replace the awful dresses Wilma made. He buys you neon yellow denim dresses and orange suede ankle boots with kitten heels and studded leather belts you can wear across your hips when you go with him to the dance hall to hear Alpha 24. These are also the days when Aiden first demonstrates his ability to box these clothes off of you, to tear these dresses and beat you with the heels of the very booties he first presented in a bow-topped box. How do you learn to love a man? On the first night you ask this question, you braid your own hair in fat box braids piled high on top of your head and you allow it to fall in heavy plaits down your back. You're wearing a little acid wash denim jumpsuit that strains across a thickening belly and ends in a mini skirt you keep tugging back down your thighs. You are wearing a pink undershirt you have slashed and refastened with safety pins because this is the style. On this night, you're still filled with joy each time you glance at your left hand and see Chinky's handiwork, its tiny diamond casting rainbows across your eyes. You are still inebriated with the exaltation of being free to dress this way, in clothes Wilma would disapprove of, and bought for you by a husband, not just a boyfriend she despises. On this night, you have ironed Aidan's tracksuit and fretted over how to navigate the cuffs and collar so that they will sit perfectly on wrists you are only just learning to fare. And then you watch as your husband gets dressed, splashes himself in cologne, puts on the bright white sneakers you have spent the better part of an afternoon rubbing with white X. When the two of you arrive at the pasture on which Alpha 24 is hosting their New Year's dance, Aidan is swarmed by a bunch of his friends, women in fishnet jumpsuits and mini skirts and gold hoops that eclipse the movement of their jaws as they chew chiclets gum. Men who call Aidan big man and governor and touch their own blinging crusted fists to his and nod. 
And in this group of laughing, drinking, dancing buddies stands Tone, quietly sipping a soft drink against the gaily branded side of a stall that vibrates in time to pass the duchy. How do you learn to love a man? You might think you learn by doing. So after you've pressed your husband's clothes and whitened his sneakers and walk with him to the dance in your kitten heel orange booties, you might tramp those suede booties through the damp grass to fetch him his drinks, his food and his Fanta. And then you might stand in front of him, allow it to seem like you are in his care with your eyes perpetually on his cup to see when he might be in need of a refill. You might think that the flutter in your stomach when you watch him, the beauty of his black, black skin and white, white smile and a broad highbrow beneath a brown kangle is the love you are learning by doing all these things. It is the love you are meant to have and it will cushion the bruises the better you become at it. How do you learn to love a man? You might think you learn by obeying. So after your husband has had one too many gulps from a flask of whiskey, you do not say anything when the laughter gets louder, the jokes get bawdier, and he seems less immune to the fawning of vultures dressed to look like peacocks. He tells you to go home. You need your rest, and the music might be too loud for the baby, and he rubs your belly and says he will send one of his soldiers with you to keep you safe on your walk there. You do not say anything when the soldier he summons is none other than Tone, the strong young man you first met by a gutter, a man who now wears the brooding countenance of a gathering storm. You do not tell your husband that he should not send you with this particular man if he knows what is good for him, that if he knows what is good for him, he should require you to stay by his side. You struggle to keep up with Tone through the rickety stalls of galvanize and plywood from which vendors hawk fried fish and fish cakes and American hot dogs in fat yellow rolls of bread. He pays no mind to your rounded belly and even less to the glimmer of Chinky's rough set diamond in a gold band that used to be a part of a chain Aidan stole. No. Tone walks apace through the narrow alleys and roadways towards Baxter's village and the beach and the house you've recently moved into with your husband and he hardly looks behind him to make sure that you are keeping up. And though you are nearly panting from the effort of staying a few paces behind him, you keep your eyes on your orange booties, marching one in front of the other, being splattered by soft mud and scraped by rough pebbles and rocks and wood. When he takes you through an alley so narrow that a two-foot stone blocks the path, you have a dilemma. You don't have a choice but to climb over this stone, but you can't because the miniskirt will not allow your legs to lift that high. And though you had resolved when he disappeared years before that you would never again call this boy in such a way that he can think you need him, you start to stumble and you have to take your eyes off of the booties and you have to call this name you cannot forget. Robert... How do you learn to love a man? You might think you learn by speaking because of the warmth that fills your chest and escapes your lips when tone helps you up and over the rock, 
when he asks you about your husband, about how you met him, about the day you married him and the day you moved into his house on the beach. You talk and your body fills with heat. This warmth is the proof of your love you consider and speaking of it makes it stronger. It is to this love for your husband that you credit the heat in your chest when you speak and not the memory of other days with this boy who is not your husband, whose arms hug your own and heave you upward over the obstacle and onto the part where the path is again clear. The rain comes and the heat does not fizzle and this boy tells you that there's an entrance to the tunnels just close by this path you are on. Do you remember the tunnels? And the warmth leaves your chest and fans up across your face and down. And perhaps love is indeed obedience. Because when he asks you if you would like to try to run the rest of the way to Aiden's house on the beach or to follow him to that entrance, you tell this boy, yes, yes, you would like to follow him to that entrance. You would like to shelter in those tunnels. But of course, you do not only shelter in those tunnels. You do not only listen to the rain and wait for it to end. In those tunnels, you understand that you do not learn to love a man. Because for the right man, there is no need for the learning. This love is the most natural thing in the world. You understand that if you must learn to love a man, he is probably not the man you should be loving. And this is the reason you shriek your joy, so that it echoes through these small, dark passageways and fills them with light. This knowledge, you tell yourself, and not the hands and the tongue and the thighs of tone beneath you, on the ground in these tunnels, is why you are singing. This truth that only the girls who dare to enter the tunnels are able to find out. The thing is... How to love a man is clear only in the dark of the tunnels. When you exit them, when your husband comes home in the dank of the early morning and he is drenched in the stink of a vulture, when you remove the same sneakers you earlier cleaned for him, now smeared and sullied with wet mud, when you remove the same tracksuit you pressed, your mind snakes its way back to the question of how best to love him because he smells like weed and another woman and you're thinking perhaps there's something you are doing wrong. And he does not have a mother who can show you how best to love him and you do not have one who can tell you what to do. And you do not know how to deal with the memory of your husband's friend, his right-hand man, loving you in the deep dark of those tunnels. So you push the memory away and you try to avoid this friend when he comes to see Aiden. And soon he starts to avoid coming to see Aiden and he knocks before entering when he does. And you wish you had someone you could ask, someone you could confide in, but you don't, because you cannot confide in Wilma and because Esme is dead. It is at times like these, although you've never really known her, that you miss your mother more than ever. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please take a moment to follow CocoPod and turn on your notifications so that you don't miss new stories when they drop. 
One last thing. Caribbean stories and Caribbean writers need our help. Show your support by sharing and downloading this podcast as far and as widely as you can. Buy their books, support independent bookshops, and request Caribbean titles from your local libraries. Remember that a rising tide lifts all ships. Give thanks. For more Caribbean storytelling goodness, follow Coco Pod and BCLF Always Lit on all major podcast platforms. <laughs>